If you're driving, please remember to use your car's Bluetooth speaker while listening to the AM Drive. Sports talk is not worth your safety or the safety of others. Grab your popcorn and sit back. <laughs> Jump the gun. Oh, no, give me more than that. Okay, go this way. <laughs> that was dumb. We are. Happy Top 5 Tuesday on a hump day. That sounds like a good ringtone. Um, this is the AM Drive on our Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook. It is August 24, 2022, and yes, I did that wrong. For Aaron Crouch and Sammy Action, I am Michael Carvelas. What's up, guys? Whoop, whoop. Remember that, uh, that hump day commercial they used to have? I used to love that with the camel. The camel, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Guess Mike what Tate. day it is. Mike, Tate. Mike, 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 Mike. Guess what day it is, Mike. Yes. Um, Mike did the commercial. <laughs> yeah, and by the way, guys. I, <laughs> Mike I, doesn't know that commercial. No, I do. It's the guy. Come on now. No. Come right, on. I know that commercial. But uh, good morning to you guys, and um, I hope you guys are doing well. Um, I'm awake today. <laughs> I do want to get to this first before we go on. I had a graphic made. The graphic will not show up for some reason. But we have going to take five seconds of silence for Chiefs Hall of Famer Len Dawson and Super Bowl IV MVP. Um, he also was five or four. It was four, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, Super Bowl IV. Yeah, yeah, Super Bowl IV. Okay, well, shout out to Len Dawson. Aaron has also told me he was a longtime broadcaster for the Chiefs as well. So even if you didn't see him play, which let's be fair, most of us probably did not, Correct. you still got to hear his voice. And that obviously hits home with a lot of people. Because I'll be honest, broadcasters, when you watch them every single week, they tend to get in, get in your family almost. So shout out to Lynn Dawson. Any last words for, I don't want to say last words, that sounds horrible. Any words for Lynn Dawson for, by Aaron or Sammy? Yeah, I mean, like you said, you know, back in the day, you know, you know, he's he's a legend. I mean, he other than winning the MVP, he was a Chiefs legend, obviously, and he's one of the guys that's just you know sticks around the uh, NFL and you know a part of the all-time teams. Just a, a great character and uh, a huge loss for for football. So, yeah, rest in peace. Yeah, absolutely, rest in peace. I never saw him play. I, I've only seen the highlights and. Uh... I'm not overly a Chiefs fan, so I haven't really listened to his broadcast, but I definitely know who he was, and he paved the way for these young quarterbacks to be, you know, who they are today. So, you know, the, the old men of the of the sport are always to be revered if they, you know, if they move the sport forward. Amen. Well, let's go into your hats off, and Sammy, you just stay there, and just we'll be quiet for five seconds. All right, shout out Lynn Dawson and rest forever, my guy. Um, We are presented by our YouTube search, AM Drive with Mike and Aaron. Subscribe. It's not hard. How many times I got to ask you? No, I'm kidding. Um, just go there <laughs> and check it out. You can also find it at MikeAndAaronDrive.com, which is our friendly, awesome website. I just feel like we're, we're like, missing Sammy on that, but we'll be okay. <laughs> it's MikeAndAaronDrive.com. I promise you, Sammy, I'm going to get you a – I'm an avatar as well, like a thumbs up action. But subscribe and drive with Mike and Aaron. You'll find Sammy. You'll find me and Aaron. You'll find the whole nine yards. I'm gonna be on on Mondays. You just need it for Mondays, right? <laughs> on Mondays. So um, let's get to this. Baker Mayfield has been named QB one of the Carolina Panthers. Um, my first thought was. Um, I was surprised at how fast they named him. I know there's only three weeks of the preseason, but they only waited like one preseason game. And I guess it's better to get this out of the way now. But Baker's got a lot of pressure on his shoulders. Now we're hearing the Buccaneers have a makeshift offensive line. We don't know Jimmy, when Jimmy Swinston will come back. Falcons are going to brag about going 0-17. So... How are the Panthers going to look now? There's going to be a little bit of optimism, right, Aaron? 
Yeah, I mean, I have to look at it one way. When Baker Mayfield was acquired, it was all but a foregone conclusion that he was going to be the starter. You're not acquiring Baker Mayfield to come in and compete with Sam Darnold. I know they're alumni of the same draft class. They both Mm -hmm. kind of traveled down similar roads, albeit Baker has a playoff appearance. But um, yeah, to me, it it seemed like a no-brainer. It actually didn't even seem like a quarterback competition once decided to acquire him. I know that you know he had been linked to Carolina all all summer, and maybe if he was acquired earlier on in the season, I would have said you know there may actually be a competition here. But uh, when he was acquired, how he was acquired after Deshaun Watson signed, and uh, at first glance, it only looked like he was going to be gone for six. Uh, <laughs> to me, it seemed like this was the guy in Carolina, and I. I don't have a problem with the move, and I definitely, uh, I definitely think that the NFC South is a little less uh, clearer now as each lineman goes down for Tampa Bay. I mean, obviously they're still the toast of the town, but you've got to keep a forty-five year old, forty-five year old guy upright. And uh, I told you, uh, I don't remember the last show we were talking football, but I told you, uh, New Orleans to win the division doesn't look like such a bad bet. But yeah, I don't think, uh, I don't think Baker's going to be winning the division here, but they could sneak a, a weird, suspiciously uh, seven seed uh, getting in there on the tail end if CMC can stay healthy. That's a big thing for me. Sammy, um, first touch on Baker, and I want you to start the conversation about Christian McCaffrey after this as well. Well, I, I don't know that there's many people who have been harder on Baker over the last few years uh, in Cleveland. And, it's and- true. Yeah, I have I have obliterated the guy, and I don't even feel bad about it. He has not been a good quarterback, but uh, Carolina will take away the problems that he had in Cleveland, which is giving him the ball at the end of games that he needs to win. Carolina's not going to win very many games, and the games they do <laughs> win are going to be blowouts, right? They're going to be much better than the teams they're better than, and they're much worse than the teams they're not. I don't foresee him being in a lot of close games, which will then not highlight the biggest problem he has, which is making big throws when defenses know he has to throw. With that being said, there's no pressure on him here, right? They're not expected to make the playoffs. They're not expected to make a Super Bowl run. He, you know, he came in to compete for the quarterback job. Anything he does will be viewed in sort of a positive light for him. And for Carolina, there's no pressure for them because they're not paying him. You know, it sets up a really fun week one matchup where Cleveland's paying more for the quarterback facing them than they are the quarterback they're playing, uh, you know, with jo- Jacoby Brissett. So uh, this is a great landing spot for Baker. I-, I obviously hope he does well. And if he doesn't, I'll be the first one to mention it. Uh, <laughs> with, uh, with Christian McCaffrey, with CMC, uh, I-, I hope he stays healthy, man. This is one of the better talents we've had in the league. Him, him and Saquon Barkley, I feel like, you know, as a fan of the sport, we've missed out on seeing these immense talents just being on the field so much. And, you know, CMC is amazing. I, I, and I think he's actually a really perfect fit for Baker. Uh, you know, Baker loves to dump the ball off. CMC loves to pick up those short passes. So, I mean, yeah. this is a match made in heaven between them. If they can form some sort of chemistry and some health, they could be a dangerous pairing. They're still playing. Well, that's the thing. You know, you look at it, you're right. I, 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 you know, I don't think they're going to be super, super competitive, but at the same time, I can look at the same time. I mean, look, look at the Carolina Panthers last year before Christian McCaffrey went down. I mean, didn't they start four and oh or four and one? And then McCaffrey went down. Yeah, we both were. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a Sam Darnold guy less and less, but at the time, I mean, I thought this was a, career rejuvenation for him and it really started to show in the first month of the season but um I mean if we believe Baker's better and obviously Matt Rule believes Baker's better I mean if if, like you said Christian McCaffrey stays healthy he's got weapons I mean Robbie Anderson's no slouch DJ Moore is you know maybe a top 10 receiver in the league and uh you know he's got the weapons there keep them upright and uh like I said I think sneaky everything falls their way they could make a six or seven seed in this especially like I said the NFC South is the, the the picture is looking less and less clear every week, I can tell you that. I think you can get a good price on their win total. I want to say it's like six and a half. It's not very high. I don't hate it. Not anymore, yeah. Um, let's, let's do this game, um, a little surprise game for you guys. Um, let's say oh. Chris McCaffrey plays all year, which I know. It's just just bear with me here. Let's You're throwing darts. Right. <laughs> Give me I a percentage. Wednesday. <laughs> right. Give me a percentage out of 100. The Panthers make the playoffs. I don't care how you think Baker plays. Just tell me 
Chris McCaffrey healthy all year. The way the Buccaneers look, the way the Saints are uncertain, Falcons are horrible. Do they make the playoffs? I'm percentage chance that they do. Uh, I, wow, I was going to throw it around 20. What did Sammy say? He said five, five I thought. Yeah. Oh, I would say 25. I'll be more optimistic than both of y'all, but I'm surprised we're all that low. I'll, I'll give you guys credit for that. The NFC is stacked full of talent, man. I mean, like I know the AFC West gets all of the all of the accolades, but the NFC West is also really, really good. So competing for a wild card is not going to be the easiest. There's a lot of talent in this league, and and it's very top heavy, right? So it's really good teams and really bad teams. And if Carolina falls in that middle bracket, that's the worst. <laughs> they can't so, they can't compete for a, a pick, and they can't compete for a playoff spot. It's gonna be really tough front teams like them. So, Sammy, are you saying the NFC West is not the worst division in football? The A, yeah, yeah. AFC West <laughs> the worst. It's gonna be a bloodbath, that's for sure. Aaron doesn't get the reference there. I wait, the A. Oh, I don't get that I, reference. Well, now he said the NFC West was the worst division. That's why I said NFC West. I was making a joke. Oh, okay. It sounded like Whoa. AFC. I think you're mum- I think you're mumbling here on this Fantasy Wednesday. Uh, I mean, you look at it. I mean, their their options are really win the division or get the seventh seed. Like you said, they're kind of a middle ground team. Ball bounces the right way. They can win. The ball bounces the right way. Perfect, perfect. If they go runner, runner, perfect, they can win the division. If not, I think a, I think an eight and nine or a nine and eight team is getting in the what – did, what did Philadelphia get in last year? Like, aren't they like nine and eight? Nine and eight. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think eight teams get in the seven seed here. I mean, you can look at it. I mean, obviously, you have your four division winners. If they don't win the division – you're looking at battles with like Philadelphia, Washington, two teams in the NFC West could get playoff spots. I mean, I, it's tough. I mean, like I said, they're winning the division. They're getting the seven seed, or they're or they're they're their four wins. I mean, it's it's such a a wide spectrum for Carolina. And of course, it's easy to say that in week zero when everyone has optimism. We're all zero and zero at this point. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I wouldn't count them out. Like I said, I think the ball's got to go. The ball's got to bounce their way perfectly for a division win here, but I don't think it's like super, like they're not just dead to rights. Like I think Detroit is this year. <laughs> hey man, I like Detroit this year. I, I like their win total over too. Of course. They're <laughs> All right. Well, let's leave it there. We're going to have a lot of time for top five baseball, boring and top five moments in sports history in our lifetime. Bless that wrong. We're about to the AM drive on Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook. Commercial, not a finesse logo. The AM Drive with Mike and Aaron might be the best morning show ever. If you love the show, shop the merchandise for $26 hoodies, $16 shirts, even $13 mugs. High quality swag for cheap because Mike and Aaron love the fans. The best morning show the lowest price merch at amdrive.online. This is Popple, the next generation business card. With just a tap, your Popple instantly shares your digital business card to both iPhone and Android devices. The best part? The other person doesn't need an app or a Popple to receive your info. To pop your info, tap your Popple to the top of an iPhone, the center of an Android, or just scan your in app QR code. And just like that, all your info is saved to their phone. More connections, more leads, more sales. That's Popple. Download our free app and get your Popple today. Aren't you the Vice Golf guy? Yeah, you want an autograph? Uh, yeah. Actually, I was just wondering if the balls are any good. The balls are amazing. You look like a Pro Plus guy. I thought you'd never ask. It's actually better than my old ball. And it's half the price. Top performing golf ball, half the price. It's almost stealing. Quit searching the globe and get your high-performing golf balls at vicegolf.com. Fanatics.com, the world's largest collection of officially licensed fan gear from all the leagues, teams, and players you love. Shop now and get today's special offer. Fanatics.com, officially licensed everything. And welcome back here to the AM Drive here on this Top 5 Wednesday. 
And uh, we are presented by Fanatics, as you can see right there in the corner. But I first want to mention, obviously, the AM Drive shop. You can catch us. I know the link, amdrive.online, is not currently working right now. Freaking Carlos. Uh, but you can go on MikeAndAaronDrive.com and click the Our Store logo, and I'll take you right in. You can buy everything from those awesome uh, tumblers, mugs, hoodies, any color you'd like. I think pretty much any color you can think of, they can put our faces on it. So, yes, support our faces at MikeAndAaronDrive.com and go to the Our Store tab. And, of course, Fanatics, it's very simple. Mike, what do they do? They go to MikeAndAaronDrive.com and they do what? Click the F. It says it right there. I mean, we literally walk you right to it. So click the F, go into Fanatics, shop till your heart's content, make it over $24, and they'll give you free shipping. That's today's deal. Of course, daily deals, merchandise, memorabilia, apparel, all of that. They'll slap your favorite player or favorite team on it. So once again, go to MikeAndAaronDrive.com, click the F today, and support Fanatics and support the AM Drive. And when you support the AM Drive, Mike, for that, ah, we thank you. <laughs> Hey, Did I get you that time? What's that? I clicked the F. I bought new jerseys. Oh, nice. I love it. I dig it. Uh, which one is that? What do you got there? 49ers? This is Debo Samuel. Uh, the name on the front Debo. matches the name on the back. Because <laughs> you Deboed it? Because <laughs> I'm Samuel. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about whoosh. that. <laughs> yep. Whoosh. Big whoosh. Big whoosh. <laughs> yeah. All right. So in honor of Top 5 Tuesday, it is now Top 5 Wednesday because Mike did not uh, Mike did not uh, make his regular Top 5 Tuesday appearance. No show yesterday. But uh, it is Top 5 Tuesday as we do every uh, week here. And we're going to do MLB teams, which that's going to flip over to MLB and NFL here real soon. And are we going to do college football this year? Yes. Yes, yeah, so we're gonna have a big top top five Tuesdays are gonna be huge this well, year. Well, I was but, thinking uh, we don't need to do like any um extra top fives when that starts, or maybe the whole damn show is just lists lists galore. Right. <laughs> uh, it is MLB time right now, week number nineteen in the season. Sammy, you're going to grace us with your uh, top five MLB teams this week. All right, I can rattle these off pretty quickly because. Uh, a lot of these teams really haven't changed all year, and so it's sort of been the same all, all year long. But uh, uh, for me, it starts in the AL this time. You know, I have the New York Yankees who have fallen from uh, from grace down to number five. They have uh, they have not played well over the last month. They were my number one team not too long ago, but they they remain my top five. Uh, the trash can banging Houston Astros come in at number four, and they've been three and four pretty much since week one. Uh, number three for me is the Atlanta Braves, the defending champions, making a big run, trying to get into the playoffs. They have been playing great ball. Number two is the most dangerous team in the in all of baseball, in my opinion, which is Jacob Degrom's Mets. And I've been saying this since he got since he got hurt. If he comes back healthy, they will be a very tough team in, in October. Uh, and then, of course, number one team, uh, which has been number one for most of the season, is the Los Angeles Dodgers. And uh, as well as they have played with all of their injuries, imagine if they were healthy, how good they would be. Uh, it's insane how good they've been playing. That's my top five uh, for week 19. Love it. Yeah, I agree with you with the Dodgers, obviously. Uh, you know, it's it's going to be – the question mark is going to be getting in the playoffs with Julio Urias as your starter. Loved watching the guy. I just don't know if he's the number one. Um, yeah, uh, very similar. Uh, I believe same teams, just different mix up here. Braves still coming at number five for me. Although they are closing the door on the Mets, Degrom has come back. Degrom's come back incredible, but uh, somehow that lead has shrunk since he's come back. Uh, number four for me, yes, the Yankees are sliding. I'm still <clears throat> as painful as it is for me to say this as a Sox fan. I'm still high on the Yankees come playoff time uh, for right now, and uh, I know that <laughs> life hasn't looked good uh, in the Bronx right now, but I, I still have the Yankees at number four. The Mets. Uh, the Subway Series would be awesome if we got that this year, but uh, right now they come in at number three. Number two is those trash can bangers. Uh, the Astros, <clears throat> starting pitching, like you said, is key, and they've got four really good ones. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry, frog in the throat. Cool. And, of course, number one, the Dodgers. I don't think they've moved off this spot all year, and rightfully so. Uh, but, again, I, I think if you can find a price on National League teams uh, to win the pennant, it, starting pitching – so far, uh, with Gonsolin, uh, no playoff experience, and Julio Urias leading the, leading the charge right now. If they can't get Kershaw back, which, again, playoff Kershaw, well, we'll see. 
Uh, but uh, yeah, but they're still number one for me as they have been. I don't think they've moved off that spot in 19 weeks for me. So um, Kershaw, as you were saying, that just hurt his back again. Just let you know. <laughs> um, yes, so I have he an, probably I, did. I have an honorable mention this week. It's the Cardinals who last time I checked had won eight straight, but now they've won. They're nine and one in their last ten. Um, they are the only team that comes close in the run differential, so Cardinals are creeping up. Um, number five, though, are the Mets. Um, the New York Mets have fallen. Um, maybe their fall off is coming a little bit late this year. I know that Aaron's been trying to um, challenge me on that all year, but it might be soon. Who knows? Because Yankees were <laughs> struggling, and Yankees beat them three straight. That that put a bad taste in my mouth for this top five Tuesday, Wednesday. Um, number four, the Atlanta Braves. Um, they are rising. This is the highest they've been in a long time for me. And they, like you said, the door's closing. They could overtake the Astros or Yankees by next week. Number three, the Yankees. Um, when they beat the Mets, that was annoying, but it happened. Um, and Max Scherzer was starting one of those games. And they mm-hmm. got to him. Um, they're all, But they're horrible on the road. So that, that's a good sign for me. Number two, the trash can banging bastards themselves, the Asterix. The Houston Astros, they're consistent. Um, I don't know what they're doing this year, but it's working. So I got the Astros at number two. And number one, Dodgers. Just mic drop. Dodgers number one. There you go. Three lists with the same teams in different orders, except for the Dodgers. Right. Because baseball, man, baseball, is, it's such a long trod. Like, well, and, and at this point in the year, I mean, teams have shown themselves. I mean, who realistically could you consider? I mean, I, oh, wait, actually, you had the Cardinals. I, I didn't even think about that. Honorable mention. You did have the Cardinals at number five, correct? Six. Honorable mention. Okay, yeah, fair enough. That's that's true. I mean, Cardinals and, and, and no disrespect, but maybe the Guardians just because they're leading their division. But, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. this isn't a – there's no options really at this point as far as uh, teams left to really sneak in, but there's I a mean, lot of good teams left that could make some noise in the playoffs. The pod, the Padres are pretty much doing what the Rams did, right? They went all in for the season. They they could come together and make a big run. They just haven't yet. They're but isn't that insane? Plus I mean, forty-eight. They're they're like sixty-eight percent right now to make the playoffs. And they're almost 20 games back in their own division. Yeah, but if they get in, they're dangerous. Of course. Seven-game series, you got to play I the same you, team. Well, I tell you about the um, Padres. Uh, I, I think know, they're I the number what... one threat to the Dodgers because I think the division matters. Well, of course they're the number one threat to the Dodgers. I mean, <clears throat> I don't know. I think the two NLEs teams, if the pitching is on – because the thing is, if the pitching is on for New York – I think they're the World Series favorite in the in the National League. Ooh. I mean, if you can get DeGrom and Scherzer, what, four, possibly five out of your seven games, and they're on, yeah. <laughs> that's a tough rotation. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, there's teams in the, in the AL all really in the East. I mean, Tampa Bay is always a threat. Toronto's there. Uh, and then that's really it. I mean, I think the Yankees really, have, if they can get everything working, they have the easiest road to the World Series. But we'll the see. Giants, the Giants showed with one Hall of Fame pitcher, you can win a World Series, right? Bumgarner pitched like every other day, and I was going to say right? <laughs> and so the Mets have two. The Mets have two guys who can pitch every day, and so you have to beat Scherzer and Degrom in a seven-game series. And like Aaron's saying, facing them four or five times, that's a tough charge for anybody. You know, it doesn't matter how good you are, and so. I, the Mets are the favorite to me. I, I know I know that they, you know, they haven't played well recently. They, you know, they lost three out of four to the Braves. They got swept two game series to the Yankees. But give them a give them a five or seven game series, you know, it, it's tough to be a team like that. Well, and that begs the question, and we don't need to go go into it here, we but that begs on. the question. <laughs> I know. That begs the question is, you know, if you're all in, if you're the Mets and DeGrom coming off of another serious injury, how much do you push him? Well, I don't know that his oh. – so, A, I don't know that his injury was serious. I think the Mets were smart. 
I think they decided to rest him for a lot longer than they needed to to keep him fresh longer, right? Because if you look at him, he's throwing amazing. I mean, he's throwing harder mm-hmm. than he's ever thrown before, and his stuff is moving like crazy. And he's only pitched, you know, a third of the season, whereas everybody else has pitched two thirds of a season. So come, you know, come October, he should be the most well rested pitcher around and they keep skipping him in rotation pushing him back giving him longer rest days so you know i think come come october he will be ready to go if he stays healthy which again big if uh -hmm. i don't think you'll see him being held back even at all fair enough monsey are you got anything else to add for that no kidding don't do that nope let's move on (laughs) (laughs) um so based on kamaru usman getting knocked out in the fifth round of a title fight in just a shocking moment. Um, how about top five sports moments of our lifetimes? So, Sammy, you are technically the guest, although to be fair to me and Aaron, you're almost beating us to the punch now. But um, <laughs> so, Sammy, what is your top five sports moments of your lifetime? All right, I'll go first. Um, I'm going to need a minute because mine always come with a story, as I'm sure you guys know. Um, but I will try to be – I'll try to wrap them up quickly. So I, I went through, and I had about 14 moments that really like, hit me hard. So I had, to, I had to trim this list down. So I have a bunch of honorable mentions I won't even really get into. But uh, uh, the difference between a great experience and a great moment really changed this list for me a lot. Because I had at one point like Kobe Bryant's 60-point send-off, right? But that wasn't a moment. That was a great game. It was a great memory, but it wasn't a great moment, right? So for me, my top five great moments, the criteria I used was spontaneous. It made me get up and cheer, and it affected me longer than just for the game. And that's that's kind of what I was looking for with this list. So with no further with no further delay, my number five moment is 2013 Iron Bowl, which is Auburn versus Alabama for those who don't oh, know, yeah. and that ended in the most epic way possible, which is the kick six. Uh, Alabama gets down on the last drive to field goal range. The clock runs out. Nick Saban challenges the clock running out. They go to the they go to replay. They find there's one second left. Nick Saban pedals on his field goal team for a 55 yard field goal on the last play of the game. These are college kids, right? The kick is short. Auburn catches it on the back of the goal line, and the guy returns it on the last play of the game, 109 yards to win the game in one of the most epic walk off fashions possible. And you know, few things in sports. I mean, I watch sports to spontaneously erupt in cheer and enjoyment and there was nothing more enjoyable than that i'm not a big alabama fan anyway but (laughs) that was such a fun experience and one i'll probably never forget so that's number five for me uh number four was uh the best walk-off of a career i've ever seen which and as you guys know i grew up in new york so i watched a lot of Derek jeter games but watching him walk off uh his wonderful career with a walk-off hit on his last at bat was pretty was pretty epic uh, I never, I never liked Jeter. I never rooted for Jeter. I was never a, a Jeter fan. But at the end of his career, and then looking back on his career, I've have gained nothing but respect for what he brought to the game. And his storybook ending is probably the greatest I've ever seen, and one that will stay with me for for quite a long time. Uh, number three for me, it starts getting a little bit more difficult because uh, there's lots of there's lots of really great moments in in sports. Uh, but for me, it was. Not the 28 to 3 comeback of the Patriots, because again, that was a great game, but not not a singular great moment. Uh, you know, Aaron, you had mentioned maybe the, the Edelman catch or you know, you know, a lot of great plays in that game, but none of them were great moments individually to me. So for me, it was the Malcolm Butler pickoff at the goal line of Russell Wilson. Uh, because not only did everybody expect that to be a score for the for the Seahawks, but it, it gave us not just a, an amazing ending to a game, but one of the most controversial endings that we can discuss for a lifetime. And anybody who is anybody who watches football, you bring up that play, and you get you get you know three or four different people saying a different thing about how that should have been handled differently by one team or or the other. And that was you know I, I've gone into a great length about how beautiful that was for Bill Belichick and how he kind of set them up to throw there and. You know, maybe I'm right. Who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. But it was still a, a fantastic ending to a, a fantastic game. But the number two and number one spots to me are a little bit more personal. They're a little bit more um, inspiring. And so number two for me uh, was one of the first sporting events I remember, big events I remember. And that was when Buster Douglas knocked out Mike Tyson back hmm. in 
I was like 10 years old. And I remember, you know, we, we had a box and we used to watch all the pay-per-view fights. And I was a pretty avid boxing fan at 10 years old. And so we used to have people over every Saturday night to watch boxing. And everybody at that time just completely feared Mike Tyson. He was the most intimidating thing there was on the planet. And Buster Douglas comes in, his mom dies like the day before the fight. And so automatically, like everybody's rooting for Buster Douglas because it's a sentimental story. He's like a 35 to one underdog and nobody expects this to be a good fight. And then little by little, he starts chipping away at Mike Tyson. And like everybody's just kind of waiting for the, you know, for the big hit to come, right? For Buster Douglas to just get knocked out and, you know, business as usual for Mike Tyson. And then in the eighth round, Mike Tyson hits him with an absolutely picture perfect uppercut that literally knocks his head off. And Buster Douglas goes down at the end of the round, and everybody in my house is like, there is no way this dude is getting up, right? There is no way he's going to stand up to a Mike Tyson uppercut. And he finds a way to get up, very controversially, because most people think he did not beat the count. But at nine and like nine-tenths, he stands. As the bell is ringing, the referee does not wave off the fight and lets him continue. And next round, you know, happens whatever, you know, he stays competitive. And then ends up hitting Mike Tyson with a barrage of punches and knocking down this basically unbeatable force. And I remember like just thinking like this guy, there's no way he gets up, right? There's no way he gets up from this knockout. And I use that as motivation my whole childhood, right? Every time something bad happened and lots of bad things happen when you're a kid, I literally went to Buster Douglas got up, man. He got from Mike Tyson. I can do this. I can get, I can get up. I can be better. And that inspired me for probably a generation. And those types of stories are why I watch sports. That Those are the beautiful moments to me. But number one is the hardest one. And the one I might even get a little bit choked up on. So mm. as you guys know, I am from New York and I grew up in New York and I was in Manhattan on 9-11. So 9-11 hits home. My office was basically across the street from, from the World Trade Center. And I was in the city at the time of 9-11. And so 9-11 happens, obviously one of the most tragic things in our, in our history. But what people who don't live in New York know, don't know, is after 9-11 happened, our city completely shut down. So not only could we not go to work because the island was basically being quarantined, but we were all essentially quarantined ourselves. We were trapped in our house, watching news, watching for information, scared, you know, future terrorist attacks were going to hit. This, it was a very hard time for New Yorkers, especially ones who worked in the city. The very first sporting event that came about uh, after 9-11 was like two weeks later, 10 to 14 days after the attacks. And up until that time, none of us, most people in New York hadn't done anything but watch news on 9-11. And so the Mets are playing a basic pennant race home game against the Braves, their, their division rival. And all the firefighters families and the victims families go to the game. The game's nationally televised and you know, they play the bagpipes and you see the players just getting choked up because no one really necessarily wanted to be at the game, but everybody wanted to get back to some sort of normalcy. And so the game was very emotional, but it was also very somber. No, the crowd was quiet. It was like nobody was there. It was like watching a game like in the bubble in the NBA, right? And so like there was no real crowd noise. Everything was just, the noise of the game itself was very high and loud. The Mets are losing, going into the bottom of the eighth and you know, they get a runner on and up comes Mike Piazza. They're their best hitter, probably their only hitter really in that in that moment. And the Mets fans are, you know, they're not really paying a lot of attention to the game. And so it's really silent. And then Mike Tyson swings the bat and there's this loud, like super loud crack of the bat. And Mike Tyson or Mike Piazza hits an absolute bomb of a home run in the bottom of the eighth to take the lead. And the Shea Stadium crowd just erupts like everybody just erupts like all of the last two weeks of like being beaten up and hurting and quarantined and like holding in everything just was released in this moment of, of this Mike Piazza home run and I was sitting alone in the dark in my living room sad you know beaten up really upset over everything that's happened trying to watch this game and I stood up not a meth fan in any way and just started to cheer and jump and feel happy to the point where I cried. Like it was so impactful to me that like I was a grown man in my house by myself clapping for a team I don't like with tears literally running down my face. And I wasn't alone. Because if you watched it on TV, they showed the crowd. They showed the firefighters' families, people who were victims who were just lost. And they were all crying and laughing and hugging each other and high-fiving. 
and break and families who lost their dads. And it, it was just so emotional. All of it just came pouring out for the whole city. So Mike Piazza's home run won them the game, but it also it also healed the nation. And being a part of that moment was the best sports moment I could ever imagine. Wow. <laughs> um so I don't know how you top that. There's been a lot of good moments in this show. That one gave me chills. Um, Wow, Sammy, that that was really good. (laughs) Thanks. Um, Wow. I know we're out of time for us, but like for you, but that's going to be the greatest moment I can remember in AM Drive history. And it's been over a year. That's a that's a walk off. That's a walk off. Well, I appreciate the wow. topic, and yeah, you know, I like top five. So I, I obviously put a lot of thought into these when you give them to me. So <laughs> I was not expecting that. You told me every good thing. I was like, man, what is he going to top? I was like, wow, that's good. <laughs> so I appreciate it. And, it's, and it's crazy. Yeah, it's I'm crazy for him to today. have a. Yeah, we need a two minute cry. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm gonna cry, Sammy. Um. So we'll see you when we, when we see you. Um, I'm going to regather myself, and we'll give our top fives next. All right, you guys. Have a great rest of you. I'll see you everybody. Thanks uh, again, Sammy. All right, take care. <laughs> the AM Drive with Mike and Aaron might be the best morning show ever. If you love the show, shop the merchandise for $26 hoodies, $16 shirts, even $13 mugs. High quality swag for cheap because Mike and Aaron love the fans. The best morning show, the lowest price merch at amdrive.online. This is Popple, the next generation business card. With just a tap, your Popple instantly shares your digital business card to both iPhone and Android devices. The best part? The other person doesn't need an app or a Popple to receive your info. To pop your info, tap your Popple to the top of an iPhone, the center of an Android, or just scan your in-app QR code. And just like that, all your info is saved to their phone. More connections, more leads, more sales. That's Popple. Download our free app and get your Popple today. Aren't you the Vice Golf guy? Yeah, you want an autograph? Uh, yeah. Actually, I was just wondering if the balls are any good. The balls are amazing. You look like a Pro Plus guy. I thought you'd never ask. It's actually better than my old ball. And it's half the price. Top performing golf ball, half the price. It's almost stealing. Quit searching the globe and get your high performing golf balls at vicegolf.com. Fanatics.com, the world's largest collection of officially licensed fan gear from all the leagues, teams, and players you love. Shop now and get today's special offer. Fanatics.com, officially licensed everything. drunk your water <laughs> yeah re- replenish your body because your tears just just evaporated at all <laughs> um if you host a podcast or running small business it's hard spreading the word friends want to check it out but aaron will they they will now jeez that was uh <laughs> turn on the water or you know it's it's crazy to me and i was gonna say this i know we ran out of time on the, on the other side and i wanted to tell sammy this show then he will see it. But uh, that's so awesome to see, you know, like an individual moment. Like that means like, you know, 2001, you were five. 2001, I was like 12. I remember seeing 9-11 on TV in school. But for somebody who was living life right there in the middle of ground zero, like how this moment, this random regular season baseball game affected him so much that you and I probably couldn't even find the highlights to that game if we Googled it. You know what I mean? Like how that impacts people versus the rest of the world or the rest of the country or even the rest of the region. Um, for a team, he like you said, he didn't he doesn't even root for. I mean, it's so insane uh, to me, uh, you know, in a good way that that uh, <laughs> is, is just – you're right. Sammy does it but better than anybody when it comes to the top five. 
Yeah, um, he's very insightful. We got some good co-hosts here. Um, also, yes, yeah, so grow your brand with pop. We'll use code AMDrive for twenty percent off. Um, they'll 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 forgive us later. Um, so Aaron, what are the top five sports moments of your lifetime? Um, yeah, go ahead. All right. Well, mine are. Uh... Whew, I thought mine would would uh, number one might might tear me up too, but maybe not to the extent of that. But uh, so number five for me, um, it, it's it, it's a, a big moment in U.S. history, U.S. women's history, women's soccer. And back in the day when I was really you know into this, I, I you know you find when you're younger, you're more into the sports landscape, uh, unless you work in sports. As you as you gravitate and getting older and not working in sports, you realize how. Sometimes out of touch, but I remember this. Brandy Chastain, I don't know if you know that name. 1999, you were a young kid. Uh, the Women's World Cup. Brandy Chastain, penalty kicks. 1999, wins the World Cup with penalty kicks. I know everybody remembers it for when she took her sports bra on and you know she's doing this and cheering with her jersey in her hand. And, of course, no one could focus on what actually happened. They can only focus on the fact that she took her shirt off and we saw her sports bra. It's, you know... But for them to win the World Cup and and really start a series of twenty something year dominance uh, in women's soccer, leading up to this point, uh, you know, Mia Hamm was on that team, another big player, another big star in women's soccer, and uh, Brandy Chastain's World Cup winning playoff uh, penalty kick really sparked women's soccer and the dominance they have now. So for me, it was a big moment in sports history. How many young girls um, played soccer because they saw that moment? You never know. Potentially. Or, you know, even the, uh, uh, what do you call it, the body image crisis that a lot of women go through, mm. you know, for them to, you know, for her to, to do that. And, again, I don't want to focus on the, the sports bra thing, but it was a big topic back in the day. Like, people were absolutely horrified. Or what's the word we look for now? Uh, triggered. Triggered today ah. uh, by that happening. So, But for me, it was a huge a huge moment in sports, especially, uh, you know, women's soccer for sure. Number four for me, Sammy touched on it. Uh, and again, greatest moments is such a, a more finely specific, uh, you know, uh, variable to these lists. And uh, yes, New England came back down 28-3. They won the first overtime Super Bowl, first and only so far, uh, Super Bowl in overtime. I understand, you know, uh, all of that stuff is awesome. But for me, the moment in that game was Julian Edelman's fingertip saving catch where the ball was literally an inch from the ground. I mean, you're looking at fourth yeah. down at that spot, desperation time, this, that, and the other. And for him to catch that ball and for everything to just all cylinders to still keep firing toward that, that miracle comeback win, uh, that was the moment that I thought was just incredible. And an honorable mention here for that one is also on the flip side – the David Tyree should fall into this one of you know people's greatest moments uh, in sports history, especially if you hated the big bag Patriots. Uh, that was a big moment in a lot of people's careers. Uh, number three here, uh, one of the best college football games I've ever seen, uh, Texas versus USC in the Rose Bowl for the national title. The Vince Young fourth and five scramble with 20 seconds left to get the touchdown, take the lead, the subsequent two-point conversion, to then win over the greatest team in history was crowned before the game, USC Trojans and Reggie Bush and Matt Leinert and all those guys. Um, but, yeah, that was probably one of the greatest games I've seen. That was probably one of the greatest plays of that game. Number two for me, <clears throat> and the moment itself really didn't stand alone until you realize what happened after that, and that is Tiger Woods, 2008, winning the U.S. Open, after it was found out, uh, if you remember the winning when he when he uh, when he played that U.S. Open against Rocco Media, uh, every shot he's keeling over in pain. He's walking up hills. Just you can see the the the, the pain in his face, and you're you're kind of wondering if he's doing it for show. I remember my grandfather and my uncle saying, "You know, oh, this is all a show." They weren't not Tiger guys, but they were like, "You know, he's so good. He's having to make this, you know, bring Rocco Media up to his level by by faking it in." Well, it turned out he had a torn ACL and two fractured bones in his leg. I mean, winning a major is hard enough, but doing it the way he did. And not only that, that was the last major we saw him win for almost 15 or 11 years until the, the 2019 Masters. Oh, and all of the turmoil, the all the we, nobody could predict all the turmoil 
that he would go through until then. And I mean, that was his 14th major. Everyone was like, all right, well, Jack, you know, thanks for playing, but you're about to get passed up here in the next two years. You know, you're going to get, he's going to get four more majors, no problem. And it never happened. It's just, it was just like the career was just over. I know he still won the Masters, but effectively his career was over after that. Uh, personal note. And again, there's so many moments you could pick from this run, but I had to go with the last one that obviously culminated it. Edgar Renteria grounding out to Keith Folk, pitching it over to first. The 2004 Boston Red Sox, just like I said, you could find 50 moments that are the greatest sports moments in personal my, of my personal lifetime. Uh, it just wrapped up in those single ALCS versus the Yankees and the 2004 sweep of the Cardinals. Uh, I thought about Johnny Damon's home run in Game 7, Dave Roberts' stolen base in Game 4, both of David Ortiz's walk-off hits in Game 5 and Game 6, or Game 4 and Game 5. And uh, But ultimately, it was the one that wrapped it all up. But man, 2004 was probably the greatest sports postseason of my lifetime. Uh, just the Boston Red Sox winning, being down three, felt like it was just done for. And for them to come back and sweep the Cardinals and win the World Series, I cried. Just like that, I cried, uh, as, as, as Sammy did in his September game, uh, you know, with the Mets. It's, uh, it's, it's not quite on the same storybook, uh, <laughs> as, as well as, but for me, I cried just as much, but it was for a team that I rooted for, for sure. Okay, so full disclosure, I'm 25. Um, I am not that cool yet. I don't know if I've really ever cried for a sports moment. I may have come close, but none of them come off top of my head. I've got three honorable mentions because Sammy did mention them, and I did not think of them, so obviously they were not that huge to me. But Malcolm Butler's goal line pick, I remember I was at a friend's house, and I was like, guys, guys, look, the Seahawks are about to win. I was just so excited. I got up in front of the TV, and then they threw the ball. <laughs> I was like, you son of a gun. <laughs> that was rough. Um. Kobe Bryant's 60 piece. I was watching that because I'll be honest, I'm 12, I said I'm 25. All these 22 year old kids, oh, Kobe's the GOAT. You never saw Kobe play. We, we never saw Kobe play like that. Eight year old people do not know what they're watching. They can appreciate all they want to, but the people who say that Kobe's the GOAT, they didn't know. When they saw that 60 piece, that was awesome. That was a great send off. It included like a, a game winner with like 30 seconds left or whatever. Like, it wasn't just 81 where he was just stat padding, to be fair. 60, they needed every bit of him. Great job for Kobe. And then you see he died, obviously. That makes it even more insane. Um, Auburn winning on a kick six was also huge. Full disclosure, that's one of the ones I wish I would have watched live. <laughs> I did not watch that one live, and, and that killed me. I did watch that live accidentally, and it was insane because of the way Nick Saban fought so hard to put that time back on the clock only to have it blow up right in his face, especially with now what we know is the historically inept, you know, kicker at Alabama. Like all of them have just been poor. Now that was a longer field goal, obviously as evidenced by it, it didn't quite reach the goalpost, but yeah, just the way it blew up in his face. And in Alabama for me is, is just like, Probably the Patriots for you. You love to see them go down, but you know they're dominant. You know they're excellent. But anytime they do go down, it's a nice day in the neighborhood. Yeah, sports. Um, I forgot the guy's name who did it. I think Sam mentioned it, but yeah, Sports Center was on that one because that was still Chris like Davis. Yeah, that was still almost that was like the end of the good years of Sports Center. And like they had like that thing going on as best of the best for weeks and weeks and weeks. Okay. That's crazy. Without further ado, to you, Sammy's line. Number five, um, one of my um, favorite baseball moments ever. The impossible is possible. As horrible as the Red Sox drought was, I think this team had it even worse, including exiling their own fan because he caught a ball. But this team broke the curse, took him, I believe, to game seven, but the Cubs finally got it done and won the World Series. Forgot even which year that was, but I think it was 2016. 16. And not only that, they they broke their 100-year curse over a team that had like a seven – still has a 70-something-year curse. Right. So, I think the Royals, right? Uh, Indians. Indians. 
Or Chief ooh, Guardians, excuse ooh, me, Guardians. Ooh. Well, they were the Indians at the time. Let's not. Let's not I know, I know, I know. Um, but yeah, the Cubs broke bringing the curse was a huge moment for me because I was like, I watched it happen. Sweet. See you next time. Okay, mm-hmm. number four, 28 to 3. Because this one hit special for me. And I've told the story on the show before. Everyone in my get together I had, they left at halftime. <laughs> I don't blame them. Um, I don't know why I stayed up, but I'm, as I'm laying on the couch, I'm like, what's happening? Like, what's happening? It was one of those moments where I realized, don't ever turn it off. Don't ever turn it off. And 28 to 3, no matter what, I know that wasn't a great moment, sporadic moment, but my list will get better. But let's just say, having to tell people at Dollar General the next day where I worked at, that they had come back telling Falcons fans that was not fun. It was just an anti-Tom yeah. Brady guy. <laughs> fun, fun, fun facts, short little story. I had a buddy who was a diehard Falcons fan. Uh, I did have a get-together that day, too. And he got really drunk <laughs> in the first half of the game. Of course, he was celebrating, talking crap, and all this stuff. He ended up passing out on my on my stairwell. Uh, and then real, woke up the next, uh, like, later on, like six hours later. And uh, he was like, sorry about your team, man. You know, he was still kind of drunk. And I was like, uh... I didn't want to break this to you, but they actually came back and won. He's like, no, no, no. So he looks on his phone, and then he throws his phone on the ground. <laughs> Just a, felt really bad that uh, his team, he, he said, I'm never drinking again because every time I do, the Falcons lose. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. Okay, so number three is actually my nostalgic moments, but that almost makes me cry. But not like <laughs> nowhere near as cool as you guys were. Um, so. 2007, I believe, is the official date of this. It's not 2006. It's 2006 season. Um, I've told a story before. So it's it's raining in Miami. It's two teams called the Colts and the Dolphins. My favorite color is blue. I was told on some old iPod by my buddy Ron, who to this day is one of my best friends. He's like, I believe he's like 40-something years old. Colts but Ron is old. Huh? Colton Bears, right? Yep. Okay, so, you said Colton Dolphins. I threw off for a second. Oh, I was thinking Miami. My bad. So I'm I'm looking at these these teams. I'm like, I have no idea who any of these teams are. I know I saw the Colts win the previous game against the Patriots, and oh, that was pretty cool. Nice interception in that game, Tom Brady. Um, but then I'm like, I kind of like this blue team. I'm gonna go with the Colts. I have it on. I wish he still had it. I don't know if he still does, but might have it somewhere digging up. Um, but Ron always was there, like, telling me about sports, and that was one of the guys that helped me learn to love sports. <laughs> I'm picking the Colts. I'm feeling good. And then Devin Hester happens. <laughs> and apparently looking back, the Colts did not want to kick it to Devin Hester. But for some reason, they did it anyways. And he ran it back in the rain. Okay? Thankfully, history was awesome to me, and the Colts did win the game. Because I might have become a Bears fan. I might have jumped ship. But I picked the Colts, and that was why I really just became a Colts fan. I had an old Peyton Manning jersey that nowhere near fits me what it used to. But big-time Colts fan because of that moment. But obviously, Devin Hester did not help it. Number two for me is, as a Miami Heat fan who grew to love and respect LeBron James, in the first game, I can ever remember LeBron James' headband coming off and keeping it off. The Heat still found themselves down three. Until Ray Allen, in one of the most iconic and best Mike Breen bangs you'll ever hear, Ray Allen hits a corner three. Obviously, it's still required overtime in a game seven where the Heat dominated both of those, but that was pretty cool watching that on the box TV because we, let's be fair, in 2012, box TVs were still a thing, and now I haven't seen one ever since. But we were still we were watching that, and I'm there by myself as a what was I 2012? I was 14 or 15 years old. That was a big moment for me. But number one, looking back, I still cannot believe I watched it. Did you know the Vivint Smart Arena in Phoenix? They broke a re- a, a gate record for this fight, the UFC 278. 
Like this this arena, it was a vivid small arena in Utah. My bad, Utah. The Utah Jazz have had NBA Finals games here, and they literally broke the gate record for the spikes. Now, I picked Leon Edwards to win. I felt stupid. I was on Twitter. Like, oh, what a great round one. Oh, didn't tweet again until round five when Leon Edwards fakes the right hook and kicks him right in the head with his left with his left foot. I was speechless. I was shocked. That, to me, in terms of this history, was one of the most wild moments I've ever seen in my life in sports. So there's mine. Ah, prisoner of the moment. I'm prison. Yeah, that was bad. I I feel bad because Sammy just took the cake, you took the pudding, and I took the dinner. So I feel stupid right now. I'm not the appetizer. Who knows? (laughs) You were the mint after dinner. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Um, so (laughs) let's get into this before we run out of time here. Um. It's rookie quarterback grades for week two of the preseason. We've got the guys that I've listed, I've shown videos of for you. I try to do my best to find the videos that correspond with the quarterback. But Desmond Ritter, Monday Night Football, 10 of 1,343 yards. Great with the video that you saw. Well, I actually saw him play a little more live. Uh, Watch this because obviously it was ESPN. Uh, Monday Night Football, but yeah, 10 of 1,343, I was a little disappointed at the end of the half uh, where they were down, uh, I believe, on the one-yard line and couldn't get in. Uh, a little disappointed with 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 the offense there, uh, but I ultimately gave him a B. Uh, very, very ho-hum kind of game. Uh, didn't really do anything to dazzle me. His, his throws were on target. Uh, I thought he looked better against, uh, was it Detroit last week? I thought he looked better in that game. So for me, yeah, just a B here, solid QB didn't look, didn't, didn't have to show me anything flashy, which I'm not looking for in a guy who's an upright majority upright passer. So uh, for me, it's a B. I got a minus um, for the same reasons you said, um, there were some nice throws, but nothing like, wow, that guy's the future of the NFL. So I want a minus. I feel like he could get good enough though. I'm going to put him in a position to win. So it's whatever. Malik Willis, second coming of Jesus. Yeah, I don't know if you're ready to take the crown off of him yet, uh, but I actually uh, upgraded his grade. Last week I gave him a C. He was, uh, what, 7 of 17 for 80 yards, had a touchdown, uh, what, 8 yards a carry. Um, again, <laughs> I, uh, he, it's, it's exactly what I, I thought. 10 yards down the line, he's wildly inaccurate. Uh, he did impress me with a little bit more standing in the pocket and trying to read the routes. Uh, it seemed like the first game he was just ready to scramble from the immediate, and that's probably what Coach Vrabel thought too, and that's probably why he got benched. Uh, for me, an upgrade here, C+. I know that doesn't sound like much of an upgrade, but he's definitely learning to try to be a quarterback and not just a runner and not just a dual-threat quarterback. So that's going to take time. He was a little inaccurate. He was throwing some si- a lot of sidearm balls too. I didn't particularly care for. So for me, it was a C plus from Malik. B minus for me. I still believe he provide I still believe he provides some oomph, but he reminded me of Carson Wentz when I watched this film. Mm. Um just taking stupid, just taking stupid. My like, making a stupid decision. It's like, what are you doing, pal? Like even the time like where he would try to run, it's like, you're not Mike Vick. Stop it. Like you you have athleticism that's like Mike Vick and like Lamar Jackson, but stop it sometimes, dude. Just Take the sack or get rid of the football. Don't dance around until you're blue in the face because Buccaneers' defense obviously was insane. Sam Howell. Uh, Sam Howell's probably getting a little bit of a harsh grade from me. I'm <laughs> giving him a, I'm giving him a D. Uh, I thought the pick in your own zone, uh, which ultimately ended up – oh, no, it wasn't a pick six. I think he was down at like the four. Uh, that's a pretty – Pretty boneheaded play, and I know, like, I understand he's a rookie, but if we're trying to grade rookies on their ability to be in this league, uh, you know, throwing a pick, wildly overthrowing your wide receiver in your own zone uh, is never good. Never good. So for me, uh, 10 of 18, 122, that bad pick, two rush, 13 yards. Um, Just a D, a D for me. (laughs) 
I am a C minus because he was just uh, he he wasn't as good as he was week one. And I guess that's because teams have a little bit more on them after one preseason week, but wasn't that great? Nothing special, nothing good at all, really. So eh, it's whatever. Kenny Pickett, Vince. Hey, Kenny Pickett has looked great. I know it was short work, six of seven, 76 yards and a touchdown, but it actually is promising to see that he really did, didn't work that much as he did in week one. And that means the, the coaching staff's really liking him. So I'm giving him an A. B plus for me. Um, it was skirting on A minus, but I think throwing it up to your tight end a couple times is like not always going to work. But, I didn't take that as throwing up. I really thought that that was a design play when I was watching it. It looked it looked more designed. Friermuth is pretty good to have design plays, so that's a good point. Yeah, uh, but I, I know exactly the, the two plays that you're talking about. I thought I thought for sure one of them was designed at that little float to the tight end just to get over the linebackers. Um, I don't think but, Benny Snell did the work on the touchdown for him. So, yeah, maybe fair, maybe fair. I still say let Penny let Kenny Pickett cook. Let Penny Pickett cook. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, all right, what a what a great show to digest. There's so much going on. We talk some football. We talk some great moments in sports history. Uh, we'll have graphics of those uh, up for social media soon. Uh, Mike <laughs> does a great work, so shout out to Mike on those graphics. And uh, tomorrow, Thursday, we're talking Kevin Durant on his decision to stay with the Nets. We're talking college football. Week zero is very close we got to get some win totals out for you guys, so we'll have those tomorrow. And, of course, Friday's show, the great Cody Jansen will be on to talk some NLL. Oh, they had a big free agency season here, so we'll get uh, his thoughts on wrapping up uh, free agency and, and as it still goes. And, of course, the NLL season coming up. New commissioner as well, so we'll get his thoughts. Thursday and Friday, big shows. We Make sure that you guys are here for those, but until then, make sure you're supporting us. On the social medias, Facebook, Twitter, at AM Drive TV, and of course, YouTube. Go to the YouTube page, hit that subscribe button. We greatly appreciate that. We're trying to get that subscriber count up. And of course, Mike and Aaron Drive for all of the links and sponsors. Click the F, hit the Vice Golf, Pop will grow your brand. But until tomorrow, in between time, I am Aaron Crouch. That is Michael Carvelis. We are saying have a wonderful day. And of course, as always, drive safe. We are out.